0: Welcome in to the Shop Management Show presented by AutoLeap. I'm your host, Will this podcast will explore the experiences, challenges, and lessons learned of auto repair shop owners. We will cover every topic imaginable from EVs to technician shortages, right to repair, and so much more. Please like, share, and subscribe to this podcast on YouTube, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and Google Podcasts. AutoLeap provides an all-in-one cloud-based shop management software that helps shop owners better understand their business, increase efficiency, and grow revenue. You can find a link to schedule a demo with AutoLeap in the show notes of this episode. I'm thrilled to be joined today by Mose Barrera, owner of Mose Auto in Seattle, Washington. We will discuss Mose's experiences as a shop owner, what leadership lessons she's learned, and the challenges she's overcome along the way. Mose, how are you?
1: Hey, Will, I'm doing pretty good. Thank you for having me. And thank you, Adoli, for always bringing these opportunities to us.
0: Yeah, we love to hear that. And uh, thank you for joining me today. Uh, Really interested to start our conversation on... Your journey into becoming a shop owner. So what motivated you to join the auto repair industry, and how did you initially become involved?
1: So, I've always been in love with cars and fast things since I was a little girl. I've always loved it, and i it just it was just like organic for me. I always loved fast things, motorcycles and all that stuff. I grew up in business. My parents had businesses, and my family had businesses. And so I think that was one of the things. So you join the, the love of cars with the love of uh, business ownership and entrepreneurial spirit, and then we get this. Um, my my thing wasn't, I never said, hey, well, I, maybe I've always said I want to shop. I never knew how to do it. And then I just started working on cars um, as I came along. And um, in 2008, I was sw- kind of switching career paths, after moving from New Jersey to Seattle. And then I stumbled upon uh, clipping cars, You know, going to the public auctions, getting a car and fixing it up and then selling it. And I was like, oh, this is, this is something I can do, maybe on the side. And then I realized how badly women get treated in the automotive industry. I was in the automotive industry in the early 2000s, but I was the one providing service. I was a parts counter person. And then I got promoted to management, so I was always providing that customer service to everybody. And being on the other side of the counter really brought a lot of insight into how women get treated in the industry. And so I, I said, hey, you know what? I can make a living. I can start my business. I can help educate other people. And then that was back in two thousand and eight, two thousand and nine. That's where I started my journey, and now it's. It's been a while since I've been in business, so.
0: Yeah, I wanted to go back to uh, kind of that mistreatment you just spoke to. What were some examples you noticed early on as you were starting in your career of like that female mistreatment? And then what was just your general experience starting out in obviously a male-dominated industry and some of those early lessons you learned and uh, applied moving forward.
1: Well, I was lucky enough when I started in the industry back in 2002, 2001, uh, to have really supportive peers also. So sometimes, you know, 20 years ago, people would walk in and they would only want to talk to the to the man behind the parts counter. Why would a, a woman know about cars, right? And a 22 year old woman, why why would you know? You're just a little girl, what do you know about cars, right? And so I was, faced with a couple of difficult customers that my my peers, my counter people and my managers would be like, well, she's the one that knows about all that stuff. So why are you asking me? She's the expert, you know? So I had a lot of people pushing me forward when it came to that. Um, but there was a little bit of that when it came in the auto parts industry, for sure. And once I started, um, you know, being a customer, there were things that I would do to a vehicle to get it ready for sale, for example, Or to keep for myself that I would be like, hey, I'm going to do this. I need to be like do an alignment or do some tires, something big that I didn't have the machinery to do. So I had to take it someplace else. And I had one day that I came in for an alignment on a vehicle and they quoted me, you know, like $2,500 worth of work of things that I had already done. So things that I had previously done on my own vehicle a day before bringing it into the shop, they said, I need it, and I was like, "No, this is not okay. This is not okay." We, I can help, at least in my community, help the the people in my community, not only women but also men. There's a lot of men out there who don't know about their vehicles, and that's fine. Now we can't know everything about everything, but it's not okay for people to take advantage of people's lack of knowledge on some on 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 this one particular thing.
0: Obviously, stigmas exist in the industry um, in terms of women working in aftermarket auto repair. How does the industry, in your opinion, based on your experience, how can the industry as a whole kind of work together to address and then eliminate those stigmas?
1: I think a lot of ways to kind of eliminate any type of stigma is knowledge and to educate your peers, your surroundings, uh, suppliers or customers, whoever you are, right? Whoever you can come in contact with, talk to them about what the industry is. Talk to them about what we do as an industry. We don't only just turn wrenches. The automotive industry has many, many, many opportunities from parts people to customer service, to detailing, to fixing cars, to transmissions. And they're all different items that we can all do and that carry different skill sets. And it's a whole industry because of that. If it was just one thing, it would be, I think, completely different. But the industry is so vast and so big, and it continues to grow that you know, taking out the stigma that only one gender or one type of person can do this type of job. We all need help sometimes. As women, of course, we're not going to be as strong when we start, but there are some really strong women out there. And then there's times where you have things that are really big that you just simply can't do on your own. And we all need a little help, either because your hands are too big and you can't fit in those Little spaces, then you need, you know, small people hands, right? And if you have something big that's really heavy and that's going to hurt you, you ask for help no matter who you are. So we've all been in those places that we can actually acquire and use a, a team when it comes to that.
0: How do you think the industry can inspire more women to actually get involved in auto repair?
1: I think the industry at i mean it's grown so much when it comes to women i've heard of women in latin america working on cars and they're like "Oh, i've seen some another woman mechanic like you 20 years ago we would never ever ever hear anything like this and so i think it's moving forward i think if you are a woman in the industry put yourself out there talk to people get yourself on a podcast get yourself out in schools Uh, go talk to little kids little elementary school kids middle school kids high school kids remind them that there are other paths forward with careers other than just college. It is very, very important to do that. But, you know, the industry is also changing. Now to become a mechanic, there's so much software needed that you need to be like a software person, right? You need to be able to know about computers and how systems work and all these other things. And so there is a lot that everybody can do. And not everybody is skilled to do the same things. Sometimes people just can't figure out how to do righty-tighty, lefty-loosey. I, myself, after 20 years of working on cars, I grab a wrench, I'm like, okay, righty-tighty, lefty-loosey, let's go, right? And so remind ourselves that we're not good at everything, but we're not bad at everything either, right? And to be able to to get our strengths and to find people and find our way into the people who are going to support us to become our better self, no matter where we're at.
0: That's great insight there. Uh, I wanted to get back to your journey into becoming a shop owner. I know you talked about how you initially were working on cars and then selling them again at, at shows. How did you get that final inspiration? That that final decision made to actually become a shop owner, actually start your own business. What was that kind of spark that led to that and got you across the finish line into actually pursuing it as a career?
1: I think it wasn't me. I think it was other people that were like, hey, you're really good at this. Let's put this down on paper. Let's make a business plan. Let's get you, you know, a bigger spot. Let's let's help you do this. Let's solidify um, a business, right? Let's put it on paper. Let's get a a business license, all these things, right? Because you're doing things like as a side hustle, you know, so you're not doing it full time, you're doing other things. Uh, But it was definitely somebody else that, And it's usually gonna be somebody else that's gonna tell you, hey, you're really good at this, right? And they're gonna entrust you with other things. And so being, again, your peers are a great, great, great help. Find yourself people who will know your strengths, people who will push you outside of your boundaries and people who will know better things than you do. Uh, always find people that are going to encourage you and to shift you and push you a little bit outside of your boundaries. Um, That way you can grow. That's the only way you're going to grow. If you stay in a place that you're stagnant all the time and you're like, maybe, oh, I want to start the shop. like oh why are you going to start the shop? It's, It's a great side hustle, right? It is a great side hustle, but you can also make it a career, and you can also move it forward, and you can inspire people to do the same.
0: That growth mindset is so important, and definitely seems like from talking to you that you've you've applied that to your experience run, running your shop. How has that growth mindset really, you know, impacted the shop culture um, in terms of your business, and then your employees, and how does that have like a trickle down effect where? Everyone's trying to improve and get better together.
1: Um, I think it happens and in my case, I've been lucky enough to to have things happen organically. I've worked with people who who are just like working with me on contracts or special projects and stuff like that at the beginning of my career. It was just me, myself, and I. And when I had bigger jobs like transmissions or things that needed like a lot of strength, or that I just couldn't be on my own at the shop, or I needed to learn something, I would hire people, you know, and I've been lucky enough to work to have been working with people for about 10 years and eventually they all became part of my team. And so now we're we're having this growth mindset that we're that we're together, that we trust each other, that we know that we want the best for each other. and that's that's what we're moving the shop forward to right now. Um, like I said, I'm in the middle of hiring a couple of people, um, making the shop a little bigger, making the shop getting myself help for myself. I got a help for, you know, for running the shop and not being under cars all the time because I couldn't pick up the phones and, and be under the cars. And now I can't pick up the phones, order the parts, answer the emails, be on a podcast, run around in the community meetings, go to the city for for marketing, like all these things. Now I need to move into that role. And to me, every time I move into a different role, is like starting a new career but it's still in the automotive industry. So now my new career is going to be running my business. How do I learn how to run a business? Like I've been running it, yes, but have I been the best at it? Probably not. And so it's time to like move out of that, you know, receptionist service writer role and move into the bigger role of actually running my business, seeing how it can make things better for myself and for my employees and how we can grow the company for it to become a bigger deal. The big step happened when, I rebranded the shop. I used to call, it used to be called MJ Auto Seattle, which was a very, you know, small town type of name. And that worked for a while, but then um, I really had to brand it. I had to make a branding. Uh, I love stickers also. So I love stickers and I love branding. And I love like, oh my God, all those branding stuff, they look so cool. So I came out, you know, I had a a friend of mine design me a logo and we rebranded the shop to Mose Auto and I rebranded myself to that. So now in the city, if you say, oh, I'm going to say out of this and that. Oh, yeah, I know where she is. I know where she is. Oh, I know where, you know, or people refer me. And so my business has always been upon referrals. My business has been going on strong for 10 plus years of, with referrals. And so that keeps me motivated being able to talk to people and being able to to get in touch with them and and educate them a little bit about their vehicle that motivates me. And so find the things that motivate you and have help with the things that don't necessarily motivate you or that stop motivating you at a certain point. Have somebody else in your team that can help you with that so you can move on to the next thing and help everybody
0: else with that also. Yeah, that's great insight. Wanted to follow back up in terms of, you know, you mentioned shifting to that business mindset from working on repair orders, kind of being in that technician space. When did you feel that shift to, you know, thinking more business oriented? And Why was it relevant and, and important for you to have that shift at that time? And how are you like continuing to shape that type of mindset where you're focusing on you know, the larger picture with the business versus the day-to-day working on a different repair order.
1: So that big shift happened around four years ago when I hired the the first mechanic full-time. So that's when we rebranded the shop. We moved to a bigger location that was more, that had more street access and like more visibility. Um, That's when I started kind of shifting into that a little bit, but it was just still me and a mechanic. So it was a two-person shop um after I moved to the to the new facility two years later which is a, a lot bigger um you know COVID happened so we had to kind of like the growth uh that I was projecting couldn't happen because there was COVID sales dropped a lot um during COVID at the end of COVID beginning of 2021 we started uh bringing in tires in house you know unfortunately all the shops had to close you know they had to close down so I would say we'll Fortunately for me, I was able to get some, uh, you know, equipment at a really good price. So I was able to get tire machines and balancing machines, all these things that I that I could acquire. And then I brought somebody in specifically to sell tires um, as a partner for the tire side of the business. We worked that out for a while and I was like, oh, this is great. I have somebody that, that also has that mindset of running stuff and I have a little bit more time to kind of just maybe take some time off because that'll revitalize me, right? And then maybe take some classes and that partnership didn't work out. And so then I had to scale back into, you know, all right, I got to go to service writing. I got to do this. I got to do the marketing. I got to do all these things. And now that I've gotten a taste of somebody that can help me with all those things, I'm like, I really need somebody to actually help me with these things because I am ready to move on to the next thing, ready to move on to scale the business. And I cannot scale the business if I'm stuck answering phones answering emails, answering text, and wondering where the brake rotors are. And so once you're at capacity with that, there's a rule that I've heard someplace else. This is not my rule, but I, I apply it. If there's something that you can pay somebody less that you would pay yourself to do, it's worth getting them to do it. So if your time is worth, you know, 20 bucks an hour, and you can hire somebody to do that same task that you're doing for 10 bucks an hour, hire them to do that task for $10 an hour and you do the $20 task, right? And so it, it and then I think about that a lot. And so when, when I get to that point where I'm like, well, I shouldn't be really doing this because I also have to do this thing that's really going to bring me more revenue. It's going to bring me more loyal clients. It's going to bring me more of these things. I need to hire somebody to help me with that task. And it's going to cost me less because I need to do this other thing that I can't pay somebody to do but I can learn to do it and move it forward, right? So that's in my personal uh, experience at this point.
0: Yeah, and it sounds like you've developed you know, a really strong team now where you can place your faith in them to do you know, specific tasks and then that frees up time for you to be the business owner where you're thinking with that mindset. Is that a fair depiction? And how does that trust build over time with individual members of your team where you can put more responsibilities on their plate and really feel trustworthy that they'll they'll execute on those and that you can kind of focus on the big picture of the shop
1: i think it takes a lot of trust right trust and communication is key to when you're gonna give somebody a bigger role um and that's 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 it i mean it it takes a little bit of time but some people will show you that you can trust in them and they believe in your business that that they're here for you and your business because they are part of your business. so they understand that it's whatever benefits the business is going to benefit them. Uh, being able to trust those people with you know with keys, with equipment, you know with with all these things, it's key to to doing that and being able to build a personal relationship also creating boundaries around your business relationship with that person and also creating a personal relationship with them because you they you know we spend more time with each other than we do with our families. And so we have to remember that. And it, we have to remember that if we're not getting along or that if we're not liking each other and it's all of us are miserable in the space, then it's not really working out. So we need to remember that sometimes it's better to move along to a space where you feel better, where you feel more appreciated or just where you feel more seen than to try to work things out with people who are just not moving forward the way you are. And so it's a really hard balance because like I said, people really come in and and you spend a lot more time with them. I've gotten lucky that in the last couple of years, I've hired a couple of people and they just stayed on. They came in for part-time or like contract work. And they're like, well, I can give you this many hours a week. I want to work with you. I want to work for you. Right. And so that takes a lot of skill in a way, but it also takes you know, they're being wanting to be here and being wanting to learn and you being clear with your boundaries and with your expectations with people. If we don't have clear boundaries and clear expectations with people, we cannot move forward and we cannot be the best for them, nor will they be the best for us.
0: That's great insight. In terms of setting those boundaries from like a communication perspective with, you know, an individual member of your team, how does that conversation go? And how do you kind of outline those boundaries and making sure that you're, you know, respectful of those boundaries moving forward as you work together in the shop.
1: I think, again, communication is key. Uh, There are times when I'm like upset or like riled up about something and I'm like, why isn't this done? I'm like, what's going on out here? And I go out screaming at the shop. And then, you know, I go back in my office or go back to the front desk and, you know, one of the guys will come back and be like, I didn't like it when you screamed at me. That was not nice. And I'm like, wow, I am sorry, but I was upset. And you're right. I shouldn't be screaming at anybody. I shouldn't be, you know, I should be able to talk to you guys in in a, you know, in a calm manner. And but I was upset because this, this and this, you know, what do you think about that? And having that conversation. Right. So giving my employees the opportunity and the confidence to say, hey, Mose you were wrong. And we saw that and we want to make you better as a boss because that's what it means. When somebody comes in and tells you, hey, I didn't like when you did that, they're not telling you you're wrong. And I, you know, they're telling you, hey, you can do better. I want you to do better for me. And there's not much we can do about that. We can't get mad at them. Right. But, you know, and that's a learning opportunity. Be able to communicate with your employees and be like, you know what? I was wrong. I'm sorry I did that. But these were my reasons. And when you explain yourself a little bit, they're like, "Okay, that makes sense. It's still not warranty for you to come out and scream at us, right? We don't like it. And they don't like it because they're not used to it, right? They're not used to me going out there and losing my mind over anything. So they're like, what is happening? Why are you treating me like this? You know, so I think in a way, me having that open communication with them really helps me become a better boss for them. And it helps them have better communication with me as an employee. And I think it both it goes both ways, because if you react to an employee saying, oh, but I didn't like it when you screamed at me and you're like, well, I'm the boss and you do whatever I want. And this is my time. I'm like, what do you think is going to happen there? They want conflict resolution. That's what they're asking you for. So you got to put yourself in that position. And we always have to remember that we don't want to be that bad boss. We want to be the good boss. We want to be the strong boss. We want to be the leader boss. That's what we want to be. They don't have to like us. But they do have to respect us. And there are many different ways to get that moving forward.
0: So it sounds like accountability both ways is a big theme in your shop.
1: Yeah, 100%. It has to be, it has to go both ways if that is not going to work.
0: Sounds like you guys have a good formula for that in your shop and, you know, that it's leading to strong teamwork and communication within the business. Wanted to end here by just asking for three pieces of advice that you would share to a fellow shop owner who's trying to scale the business, who's trying to grow, maybe going through some early growing pains, launching their business based on your experience and you know what you've been through in the industry as you know, coming up and then as a shop owner. What would you recommend to them in terms of three pieces of advice?
1: The first piece would be definitely get a good, good team going. And that doesn't only mean mechanics and service writers. It means accountants. It means uh, a financial person to help you move things forward. If you're just starting, uh, I'm, I'm in the verge of like working on trying to get a coach. I don't think I'm ready for a coach because there's so many things that are just flying around here at the shop still. But, you know, getting a business coach was was something I never even knew existed three years ago. And I just discovered uh, business coaches. And there's a lot of shop coaches out there that are really, really good. Getting yourself somebody like that, going out to different shops and talking to to shop owners and being like, hey, I'm a new shop owner in town. Wanted to introduce myself. Is it okay for me to reach out if I have any trouble? Is it okay for me to reach out for any advice? And just introduce yourself. And you'll find that a lot of people out there are like, yeah, of course, if you need anything, give me a call. Don't hesitate to do that. And so that's good. So get yourself a good accountant, get yourself a good team, get yourself some communication skills. If you're not good, if you're good at communicating with a car, sometimes you're not really good at communicating with people. So if you're somebody that's jumping on from being a mechanic to owning a shop, find yourself somebody that can talk to people because we're not always good at the same thing, right? Um, And just ask for help. It's as simple as that. Ask for help. There's people out there who will always try to help you, who will always want to help you. Try to learn from somebody else's mistakes, and just be better than you were yesterday. That's just the best thing I, the best advice I can do. If you're unhappy doing something, either hire somebody to do it for you, or really reevaluate what you're doing and see if this is what you want to do. So. I hope that helps.
0: That's great. And it's a great place to close our conversation. Really appreciate your time today, Mose. And we will be back soon with the next episode of the Shop Management Show presented by AutoLeak.